It's full of poetry. It has history. It strengthens. It sustains. It feeds. It's like bread. It gives hope. It gives wisdom. It warns us. It's credible. It's without fault. It's eternal. It's infallible. It's how he speaks to us. It's more than a book. 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 Uh, Will you help me welcome our internet audience this morning? We're glad you're with us, as always. God bless you. It's going to be a good one this morning. In Psalm 19, verse 7 through verse 11, it says, The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. And that's speaking of the Bible. When I was a little guy, um, we went to a church a couple blocks from our house. Uh, I've told you stories about it before. It's where I learned a lot of Bible stories on flannel graph. Um, it's the only other place that I got in trouble besides home and school. And, um, and I remember learning those stories and different things. It was just a couple blocks from our house. And a lot of times my mom would just point to the steeple and my brother and I would, would take off to church. And she would be there, you know, every so often. And I remember I got to a certain uh, class and got advanced in that class. And uh, they taught us a song. And the song goes something like this. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God. Help me. The B-I-B-L-E. And... I believed it. In my little guy mind, we were singing, talking, and actually, in September of 1967, they allowed me to join that church, and they gave me this Bible, and it's got my name on it. And this is this is like my first Bible. Now it's not it's not very used, because back then it was just like it's a Bible, has power on its own. You know, and you didn't dare, dare touch it. But I believed in my little guy mind. That's the book for me. And I, I developed an, an honor and a reverence for the Bible, and I knew there was something incredible about it. I, I think, without wording it this way, I knew it was more than a book. And we have so many Bibles. All of us have Bibles. But we're going to, in the next eight weeks, we're going to see that it is more than a book. Go ahead and say, more than a book. And it is to be read your defeat upon it. You know, for, for so many, uh, this is just something that you have. You know, some of y'all have the 35-pounders <laughs> sitting on the coffee table or whatever. You know, uh, don't touch it. We don't read it either, but don't touch it. And you put newspaper clippings, 
and pressed flowers from your trip to Vermont, you know, or what, you know, you put those in there, but we don't read it. So really, you know, we think it will keep bad guys away and the devil away and, and all of that. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's more than a book. And we, we must get into the Bible and get the Bible into us. God reveals himself mainly to us through his word. And whatever way, uh, other ways that he reveals himself, that is all, that is all clarified by his word. That's all certified by his word. This is the main way that God reveals himself to us. And the devil wants to keep you from this book. And he wants to keep you out of the Bible. And he wants to keep the Bible out of you. Because it's more than a book. I posted yesterday, why do you think the devil is always supplying you with lame excuses to not read your Bible? I'll tell you why he's providing you lame excuses to not read your Bible. And how many of you have bought some of those lame excuses? Come on, it's every, it's every hand in this place. I'm not quitting until I see every hand in this place. He's pulled his trash on every one of us here. Lame excuses. What are, what are some of those excuses? Tired. Tired? What else? I don't have time. Busy. Can't understand it. Huh? Do it later, absolutely. That's all well-meaning. Can't find it. <laughs> and we've got all kinds of lame excuses. And you know what? We, we feel justified in these things, and yet we're starving ourselves as, as a result of this. And then sometimes we just feel by virtue of we know where it is and we carry it around with us a little bit, we feel like we're actually doing it and, and we're not. And the devil is desperately trying to keep you and I from the Bible because he understands that it is more than a book. It was Jesus' weapon of choice. Think about this. This is the Son of God become the Son of Man. And when he was confronted with evil and temptation and the devil, his weapon of choice was to quote the Bible. And yet we, we do all kinds of other things expecting that we're going to be able to overcome. Jesus demonstrated for us the power to dismiss the enemy. He demonstrated for us the power to say no to temptation. He demonstrated for us the power of the word of God once it gets in on the inside of us. It is truly more than a book. Now we're going to be doing something um, the Lord has put on my heart and I've talked to a couple of staff members to help me just kind of think this out a little bit. Our local uh, county jail gives out close to 500 Bibles every month. And they have inmates that are going to be there short-term, long-term, whatever. And you know what? They're in, a, they're in a tough spot in their life. By choices, by whatever, you know, they're there and they're in their situation. And then they ask for a Bible. I think that's, that's a point where the devil has overplayed his hand a little bit because they're saying, you know, the way I'm doing this is not working. And I need a little help and I need a little light here. And so they're giving out Bibles. And they're constantly in need of Bibles. And so I thought, let's get some Bibles. In conjunction with this series, we want to we supply some Bibles. We've got a supply where we can get them for about four bucks a Bible. Everybody say four bucks. Four dollars 
a Bible. And these are good Bibles, New King James. They've got maps and concordance and some other things and so that we can supply Bibles. And so what I want us to do just informally, there's no pressure on anybody, but I, I want to challenge you that maybe every week you could help somebody get a Bible. And what we're going to do, just to kind of graphically be able to see it as we get them, and I'm going to tell you what, first service stepped up. Uh, I had... Uh, I had uh, a guy hand me a check for 100 Bibles at the door. And a lady gave me another for about another 15 or 20 at the door. And there was just a, a great response. But what we're going to do is we're going to kind of stack them up here. And I, I, I'd love to just stack a bunch up here. Are you all with me? And so after service, if you want, there's these vases up here. Or next service when you come. And how many of you know you're coming next service? Okay, next service when you come, just come prepared for that. Everybody, anybody can do this. You know, a child can do this. Well, I only get a dollar twenty-five allowance. We'll save up, and you know, part of that every five weeks or something, you you can make something happen for there. And some of y'all just need to give up a coffee, yeah, or quit smoking, yeah, or don't buy all your lotto tickets, or leave the red box alone, or don't order, donor ordered dessert or something. I know I'm trampling all over things, but you know, so so that we can real easy, real easy fashion, be able to be a huge blessing to some people. Well, they got themselves in trouble and there would be you and there have been some of you and we need help and we need light and we need, we need to get the good word of God into their hands. Amen. So we're going to be, be doing that. I'm not going to be pushing you or anything on that. I'm just going to be inviting you to make a difference through uh, helping us to get a Bible into some people's hands. In Proverbs 14, verse 12, how many of you are going to help, help us do a good job on that? Would you do that? Easy do. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Think about that. A path that seemed right, but it ended up in death. It ended up in ruin. It ended up in destruction. It seemed right. Why do you think it seemed right, but it ended up so wrong? I think because we're missing some information and we can't see something. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I think that would make the difference, folks. It's made the difference in my life on many occasions. Your life as well seems right. But if I could only get the word of God, which is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, you could see what seemed right is not right. Come on, anybody here today? What seemed right was not right. And if you have enough light, you can see where to step and where not to step and when to go and when not to go. And it is the word of God that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. What I want to do this morning, and, and we're, we've got some incredible things we'll be doing over these eight weeks. But I want to dismiss arguments against the Bible this morning to some degree. Because in this postmodern world that we live, and everybody's a thinker, and everybody's a feeler, there's a lot of argument and resistance against the word of God. It's just amazing to me, and I always just mentally ask this question when somebody's so opposed to the Bible. Here's my question. Why? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And we can mention God bless you and God bless America, and you mention Jesus and people break out in a rash and sue you and whatever else, you know. 
Why? What are you so afraid of? And it's because this is more than a book. It's more than a book. And the enemy of our souls knows that. And he wants to do everything he can to strap it down and keep it, keep it away from folks. There have been a couple of occasions I've been invited to speak or do something at kind of a public thing and really not supposed to preach or do, or do Bible. But I do Bible anyway. I just don't give them the, I just don't give them the address. I just tell them all the stuff, but I just don't tell them it's from the Bible. And if they catch me later, where'd you get that? The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Well, some people say that the Bible is a human book and it's a fallible book. And I would say, first of all, it's not a human book. And because of that, it is also not fallible. And let me start by saying the Bible doesn't need anybody. It doesn't need me. It doesn't need anybody to defend it. I mean, how much more could you oppose a book through the years? They've been banned. They've been burned. They've been confiscated at borders. You know, taken away. People lost their lives. For the Bible, I mean, there's so much effort. And it seems, it seems wherever there's persecution, it spreads all the more. It's kind of the nature of Christianity. It's how God's hand was even in, used, persecution in the early church to cause the disciples to scatter. And the scripture says, and the word of God spread. And you try to hold it down, you can't hold it down. But the Bible doesn't need me to defend it. It doesn't need anybody to defend it. Charles Spurgeon said this, Scripture is like a lion. Who ever heard of defending a lion? Just turn it loose, it will defend itself. So I don't have to defend it, but the disciplines of apologetics and the disciplines of debate require that there be a defense. And so I want to give you some of that this morning. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and watch this, and always be ready to give a defense. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, with meekness and with fear. More literally, always in gentle and respectful ways. I'm so tired of angry Christians speaking for us. I'm tired of angry Christians not demonstrating any of the other fruit, but, you know, to defend the Bible, to defend whatever. And they come off so religious, and it causes people to just to roll their windows up. And you're to do it in a gentle and respectful way. Because you know what? When you have that certainty in your heart, you don't have to get riled up. And they're not opposing you. Do you understand that? You don't have to take it personal. They're not opposing you. They're opposing God, opposing his word. And God is able to change hearts. And God is able to deal with those whose hearts won't change. But what you and I have to do is in gentle and respectful ways, be ready, be able to give a defense for the hope that is within you. The Bible is unlike any other book ever. Just in the earth today, there are close to 7 billion copies of the Bible. It's the most printed, most sold, most distributed, most given away book on the planet. Second place 
would be Malsey Tongue's Little Red Book. There were 900 million copies of that, and they were required by law in communist China at the time, required by law that everyone had one of those. And there were 900 million of those. Just, just weigh this out for me a little bit. Almost 7 billion, 900 million. That's quite a difference. And then we come even modern day, and there's a, a book. Actually, it's a seven-book series, so not even a single book. The Harry Potter series, 450 million. And then there's numerous other books, and then also included in top ten would be Webster's Dictionary of 100 million. So close to 7 billion copies of the Bible. Plus every year an incredible number of books are written about the Bible and lexicons and commentaries and Bible studies that are written all the time. And around the globe and even right now there are people risking their lives and giving their lives just so they can read and study the Bible. The Bible has been translated more than any other book in the world into virtually every language on the planet, close to 2,600 languages the Bible has been translated into. And even secular scholars, by the droves, study the Bible for the language, the beauty, the simplicity, the continuity, and the power of the Bible. So the question is, how did the Bible even make it? And again, it's continuously under attack and vigorous attack. And again, I go back to this, why? Why? What are they afraid of? Why, why are you so afraid of this book? And the answer is because it's more than a book. This is way more than a book. Are you with me? So how can we know? And let's, let's dismiss some of the questions that do come up. How can we know that it hasn't been altered through the centuries? Because that's the accusation of some people. Well, it's been changed. It's been changed. It's a human book. It's a fallible book. But this is how we can know that it has not been altered. First of all, the vast collection of manuscripts. Secondly, the age of those manuscripts. And thirdly, the proven accuracy of those manuscripts. To date, there are more than 24,000 early manuscripts that exist, exist for Scripture. Some of those are whole, some of those are partial. 24,000 manuscripts. That is almost a hundred times more, a hundred times more ancient manuscripts than the next most commonly copied ancient written work. So anything else that has been uh, validated and accepted as true, we have with Scripture, and just by the sheer number of these, Over a hundred times more ancient manuscripts concerning this book. Another question is, what if the scribes didn't copy it accurately? You know, and there were scribes that meticulously copied scripture. They didn't have printing presses and copy machines and printers and so forth. How many of you have been to uh, Epcot before? Disney. You know, the rest of y'all, y'all really need to get out. You know, it's just... uh, but they have the big, I don't know what they call it, you know, Spaceship Earth. Uh, we told the kids when they were little it was God's golf ball. But uh, you ride up in that thing, and it's, it's pretty interesting. It's from a secular viewpoint, but it's pretty interesting that you watch the history of language and so forth. And it always cracks me up when you go through the one place and the scribes are riding, and on the other side of the desk is a scribe that's, you know, sound asleep. Unless you think that care was not given to this, great care was given. 
There's, there's even some historical writings from the scribes themselves of they realized what they were handling and the care that they used in doing that. So what if the scribes didn't copy it accurately? Scholars report that any differences are remarkably minute and inconsequential. Things like punctuation, one-word differences, repeated or skipped letters. But there are no discrepancies regarding any doctrine of the faith. Not one truth is called into question. God has preserved his word with amazing accuracy. In 1948, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. And among them was found a complete copy of the book of Isaiah. That copy of Isaiah was a thousand years older than any of the previous oldest manuscripts for Isaiah. So in over a thousand years of copying and recopying, get this, only one word, only one word was questioned. And it made no difference in the meaning. And incidentally, it was found in Isaiah 53, which is an incredible passage, which leads me to another point. Let me read this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. Who are we talking about? Jesus. Jesus. That's important. because He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. They sang it earlier. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is huge because this is one of the most incredible prophecies, important prophecies concerning Jesus. And, and one of the arguments that people have made against Scripture, particularly uh, in relation to Old Testament, New Testament, is this. That Christians somehow went back and added Christ into the Old Testament. And you need to know that these manuscripts predated by a long time Jesus coming along. Listen, Christians didn't come back and add in Jesus. He was there all along. He was already there. Jesus told the Pharisees, you know, he's, he said, you, you read the scriptures. And he says, in them, you think you're going to find this and this. He said, but you're going to find me. You're going to find him from beginning and end. And so this is not some contrived thing that Christians went back and, and changed the scripture. He was there all along. God has preserved his word. Luke 21 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Then there's so many almost innumerable scientific proofs proving creation, proving scripture just over and over and over. And I'm not going to make that my subject this morning. But then archaeological proofs galore. Actual places, real people, real findings, stories. Stones that are inscribed, coins, pots, uh, all kinds of things, places, temples, homes of, of King Solomon, of the house of David, of a Galilean boat, of Caiaphas's tomb, of Pontius Pilate's inscriptions, and on and on and on. William Albright, one of the leading archaeologists, says this, The excessive skepticism shown toward the Bible by influential historical schools of the 18th and 19th centuries, has been progressively discredited. Discovery after discovery has established the, the accuracy of innumerable details and has brought increased recognition to the Bible as a valuable source of history. The land of Israel is a very small land, and it is estimated that the, just less than 1% of the available land mass has actually been uh, archaeologically studied. 
Yet almost every single historical figure in the Bible has already been confirmed by irrefutable empirical data. Archaeologists so much are so ex- uh, uh, encouraged by this that their efforts and focus are just being ramped up. Because you know what they're finding? In just 1% of a tiny land where most of this took place, they're finding proof after proof after proof after proof after proof. that things that were so... Uh, pushed aside and skeptical of, now there's in-hand things that they're finding over and over and over, giving proof to the authenticity of the Scripture. This is not a human document. This is a supernatural book. When people say, well, the Bible is full of contradictions, this is what I've kind of learned to do. And on occasion when that happens, anywhere from, you know, Walmart to the hospital or wherever you run into somebody, well, it's full of contradictions. Here's all you need to do. You don't get angry. You don't spit. You don't let your eyes bug. You don't raise your voice. Here's what I've done. I've done this numerous times. I just kind of gently cross my eyes and just kind of shoulder, you know, square up with them and just look at them and say, it's full of contradictions. And you just say this, name one. Name one. Because usually they're just echoing somebody else. And they haven't read the Bible. And they haven't studied the Bible. And the people who told them haven't read and studied the Bible. And so you can just calmly just go, name one. And you go, what if they actually name one? (laughs) Well, let me help you a little bit. From cover to cover, you rest assured this is incredibly consistent. And you can challenge anybody who brings up a question of contradictions. With some study and putting things in context, that's typically the problem. But putting things in context, you can find an explanation every time. Uh, Often a contradiction is either what is called a completion or an update. Uh, Example, and I've had somebody bring this up to me. They said, well, okay. Scripture says an eye for an eye. And then it also says turn the other cheek. And what happened in Matthew 5, you can just go read it and you say, have you read Matthew 5? And they're going, what's that? (laughs) But in Matthew 5, Jesus said, you've heard it. You've heard it said. It has been told to you. An eye for an eye. Get this. But I say to you, turn the other cheek. And what it was was an update. Jesus was contrasting civil law that was to help keep some social order. He's contrasting that with how he wants his followers to deal with, you know, interpersonal conflict and relationship. You've heard it said, do this. He said, but you know what I'm telling you? He said, I'm telling you to turn the other cheek. It's not a contradiction. It's an update. Other times people will bring up contradictions and, you know, maybe some of y'all are practicing. I see some of y'all practicing already. And don't be smug and don't be haughty and do everything in a gentle and respectful way. But you know what? You can stand there and say, name one. And some of you are concerned, (laughs) what if they do? Well, well, here's what you can do. You can Google Bing or Yahoo. (laughs) Seriously. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. You can Google Bing or Yahoo. You can just search on the internet. Now, be careful, the internet, because there's so much tapioca out there. It's just crazy. We're looking for meat and getting junk, you know? But be careful of that. But you can, within minutes, get numerous answers, qualified answers, that will settle the contradictions and the questions that people would have. The Bible is a supernatural book. 
It invites examination. I think the Bible dares us to trust it. And I dare you to trust it. And here's the great thing about it. You don't have to check your mind at the door to trust this book. I said you don't have to check your mind at the door to trust this book. We are able to intellectually satisfy arguments and integrity concerning this book. And further, it will also help your wrong thinking and help to get your life on the right track here. The Bible is able to do that. Think of this. 40 different authors written over 2,000 years. Those authors included farmers and kings and shepherds and wise men and fishermen. And here's the thing. They all agree. They all agree. God was guiding their hands, I'm convinced. Holy men of old spoke and wrote as the Spirit moved upon them. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And there were many writers, but there was one mind. And there's one author behind it all. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in your life. Stop with me just for a moment. How many of you have ever thought, what's wrong in my life? Come on, this is not a house of condemnation. where You're not on camera right now or anything, okay? How many of you ever wonder, what, what is wrong with me? What is wrong? Okay. Uh, here's, let me go back and read this. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right because it is more than a book. Here's a big key. Big key. Let me get your attention on this. Don't just read it. Let it speak to you. Don't just read it. This is not another book. Don't just read it. Let it speak to you. The word of God is bread. It is meat. It is milk. It is life. It is light. It is a sword. It is a hammer. It is God's word. It is God speaking to you. It is life-giving It is life-changing. It is the main way. It is the main way that God reveals himself and speaks to us. And listen to me, church. Listen to me. And the devil is desperately trying to keep you out of the Bible. And he'll try again today and tomorrow to give you lame excuses. And we've spent decades in our life. So many of us have stutter started this before. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible. And we start and we stop and we start and we stop. And my prayer is for you is that you will get a hunger for the word of God. One way to get the hunger is to ask God. God, make me hungry for this. But let me tell you another way. How many of you have ever been to one of those places before where... um, like an ice cream place or frozen yogurt place or whatever, and they give you a little sample and a little cup and a little spoon. Like I said earlier, some of y'all really need to get out, okay? (laughs) So there are such places. And you just need to taste and see. And sometimes you taste and you go, (laughs) no thanks. And then some of you taste, you go, Give me a large. I guess, sir, the large is 64 ounces. That's why I ordered it. 
See, if you'll get a hunger, I'm telling you, if you'll get a hunger, something's going to start to change. You're going to feel soul nourishment. You're going to find something happening. You're going to start to see things differently. I can't even fully describe to you what's going to be going on on the inside as you start to get the Word of God on the inside of you. Because it's not just a book. It's more than a book, and it's God speaking to you. And it is as now as anything is. Don't let the devil say, well, it's an old book, or it's this, or this, or this, or this. I'm telling you, it is the inspired word of God. It is life-changing. It is life-giving. And you've got to get it down on the inside. And I pray, my prayer, is that you'll start to get into the word and get that hunger for the word of God, and then you'll feed upon it. Let me close where I started this morning. All scripture is inspired by God. Uh, The instructions of the Lord, I'm sorry, Psalm 19. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them because it is more than a book. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning?